Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com, so please subscribe. I'm Peter Bell. I'm the president and CEO of Northwest Copper. Northwest Copper is a copper developer and explorer based in British Columbia. Our key uh, differentiator of of us as a company is we're trying to build a a copper project that has material scale and production scale uh, with a capital cost that is manageable for us such that we can build and construct it ourselves. Brilliant, Peter. I really appreciate you coming on board. You're part of the oxygen group as well of companies, as I understand it. Uh, We like those guys. can you give us a bit of your background? What's your, what's your story? Certainly. Uh, I'm a geologist originally. I spent about 16 years working in the industry, uh, about 13 years with, uh, with Newmont Mining, working all around the world, including uh, down in Peru and uh, a little bit in Africa and, and some time in the corporate office, uh, basically looking at things that Newmont might buy. So I've had a background in evaluating advanced projects. Um, from there, I, I actually moved over to London. I worked for 10 years on the buy side. I worked for a hedge fund there, uh, mostly a hedge fund called Polygon, um, and ended up co-managing a mining-focused uh, long-short hedge fund for, for almost 10 years. Um, uh, from there, I moved over back to Toronto. I uh, worked in investment banking for three years, raising money for uh, for mining companies. and um, But uh, in, in March, I accepted the challenge, Mark, uh, O'Day, who's the kind of leader of the Oxygen Group, uh, Mark and I go back to about 2008, and uh, I'd always had a lot of respect for him. And, and Mark um, was telling me about these two companies that he was putting together, Serengeti Resources and Sun Metals, uh, and their story, uh, you know, of the scalable, developable, doable copper project in British Columbia. And, and I was intrigued enough to uh, to leave my other job and, and sign up as CEO. Okay, so we usually kind of get into business plans and strategies at this point. I, I suspect it doesn't take a genius to work out that EV thematic coming through copper seemed like a good bet to get into. I'm intrigued by your the way you're positioning it. So it's scalable but affordable in terms of you think you can get this up and running. Is that is that the differentiator between your story and the other copper stories coming through? Absolutely, great question. Um, so you know, a lot of copper. If you look at the copper developer space, it in some ways is, is different from the gold developer space. Gold projects tend to come in a in a variety of sizes, and it's easier to start them yourself and and put them into production yourself as a, as a single asset group. Uh, in copper, you know, it's more of a big boys game in general. A lot of the deposits are quite big, and if you look at the scale of them, you know, you end up with a company with a very small market cap, you know, hundred million dollars or less. Trying to build a project or develop a project that has an initial capital cost in the billions, and that's not very realistic from a financing point of view, or from even you know just the physical difficulty of actually building a project like that, let alone you know raising raising the money. So what we're trying to do is look at our projects have enough grade that we can build a project uh, that still has good margins without being um, you know as big as possible. So so the big thing is about trying to squeeze down your unit costs, your cost per ton. That's what these big projects are all about. Um, we don't need to do that because our grade allows us sufficient margins to, uh, to make something slightly smaller and doable. Um, but still, because of that grade, you know, with a decent sized mill, we still produce a material amount of, of copper and gold in our, in our projected projection, uh, production. Okay, so you're going through a process now, but what, what intrigues me is why do the sum of the parts equal uh, more when it comes to what Serengeti and then Sun Metals weren't able to do separately, why coming together? Why is that a good thing? Sure, makes uh, another good question. Um, so Sun, the Sun Metals flagship project was called Stardust or still is called Stardust. Um, Stardust is a high grade massive sulfide deposit. 
So uh, similar to a VMS in this case, it's a SCARN carbonate replacement deposit. But the important thing is it's high grade, so 2% copper equivalent. Um, it's got modest tonnage, so it's the kind of thing you could develop um, yourself, but the production from that alone would be would be on the small side, so less interesting to investors and certainly strategics. On the Quinica side, which is what Serengeti had, and keep in mind these two deposits are seven kilometers apart, so very very close from a, from any kind of mining point of view or, or geologic point of view. The Serengeti deposit had a lot more scale. It's a bigger project, you know, 224 million tons of uh, measured and indicated material, but at lower grade. Um, so when you, you, put, you take the high grade from Stardust and you take the scale from Konica and put them together, you get a better project. So on their own, they're not that interesting, but together they're, they're much more interesting. The other thing, though, that, that we've found as we've gone through Konica that, that's really important is Konica actually has a high grade um, subset of the mineralization. So probably a third of the total tons um, including the inferred, um, are you know, closer to 1% copper than, than kind of the lower grade that, that we mentioned before. So our focus is on the high grade part of Quinica and the entirety of Stardust. And we put together this project, which has scale and materiality. Right. So which is great. Um, you're, you, you're kind of using grade there as your friend. The scale you've yet you've yet to prove out, right? There's not enough work done to be able to say, well, this this is going to be in X size here. Are you going to be also adding additional projects? I obviously noticed Lorraine, Topcat, and East Niven there. Is yep. is that part of the model? I'm just trying to understand the model of how you how you deliver Certainly. a big story to market. Yep. Um, that no. Uh, the so there are two other projects, two main ones. So so Lorraine and Topcat we've now integrated into one. They came also from the from the previous. Uh, companies. Um, Lorraine is close enough to Quinica Stardust that we are, our, our work at Lorraine is really focused on trying to identify material that we can incorporate into the Quinica Stardust plan. That, that really adds mine life and, you know, potentially if it were better than what we had at Quinica Stardust, it, it could move forward in the mine plan. But really, copper projects, often copper producers like to have long mine life. So the Lorraine part really adds to that to that mine life. The scale I think we can get from the, the Quinica Stardust project standalone. When you look at East Niv, it's completely standalone. It's, it's, up, it's too far north to integrate into the other projects, but it provides, you know, we have the opportunity there to discover a brand new deposit in a very mature exploration region. That's a pretty unique and special thing and, and it's close to infrastructure and so on. So anything we do find there and we're advancing that project quite rapidly um, is easily, um, you know, developable, developable, although it probably doesn't fit into the Quinica Stardust combination. Right. So, so help me. You shot out of the gates real quick. Okay. You had a, you had a great start to the year uh, and it's come straight back off again in a copper environment, which is really strong. Okay. So people bought into the story, probably over bought the story. It's come off. Do you need to do more roll-ups of these kind of either financially stranded type assets or companies to get people interested in this again? Because you keep using the word scale and people will latch onto that, but you've got to prove it up somehow. And you're a long ways off from proving it with the drill bit. So is it roll up? Is a roll up going to help you? 
Well, a, a roll-up is is a strategy that we obviously evaluate, and we consider you know we consider ourselves to be in a very good part of British Columbia, and we like the branding of where we are, and we also like the operating environment of where we are. And just as a slight sideline before I come back to your question, um, we're we're working in an area of British Columbia with great infrastructure. It's got lower elevation. It doesn't have huge amounts of snowfall. It's a very good place to work from a mining point of view. It's also already developed. There's um, forestry taking place there, and so on. So it's it's industrialized to some degree. So that provides some advantages in permitting and, and all that sort of thing. In terms of adding more ground, um, we can do that. And there are other people who are active in our region. I think, you know, it, it our, our preference is really in our focus and looking at some of our competitors is on de-risking the, the project and having the exploration. So if you look at Artemis, for example, have done very well by having their permit come in Early. That's not a copper producer, but it's a, a British Columbia interior developer story. If you look at Foran, <clears throat> they've they've made a big push on you know their their kind of um, carbon neutral mine plan that they're trying to put together. We could we could follow down that that path as well. What we really are trying to get to is our study, which is coming out in in Q1 of, of 2022, where we can really demonstrate that scale that I talk about and stand behind it you know, with a, with a compliant document that supports the, all of our claims. And that, that's coming up very quickly. And the drilling that we've done this year has really been done in terms of uh, supporting that and, and advancing it. Okay, so and what's, what do you think that needs to look like for the market to react positively? Because, you, you know, you've got some money in the bank, but, you know, it's, yep. you've got a big balance sheet behind you. So how have you spent that? What do you think you're going to be talking to the market about in, in, in Q1 or in, in a range? I know you can't give me numbers, yep. but in, in a range sense so that you've put a stake in the sand. This is a good base from which to build market. You should be happy with this. Yeah. So the, what we've been what we've been saying very loosely is that we, we want to have a, a mine that has the production scale of a new Afton or Copper Mountain, just to reference, you know, without putting numbers on it, just to say we're roughly in that kind of scale. And if you look at, you know, the previous, there are some, there are some historic uh, technical reports um, for uh, Serengeti resources that show a 15,000 ton a day mill. If you show that mill, if you look at that mill and run our grades through it, you can run a range of grades and you can end up with those kinds of production profiles, um, you know, it's, it's quite straightforward. If you, if you think about what we're trying to do, what we did this year, we're emphasizing two things. So first of all, we're emphasizing the high grade at Quinica, and we've drilled uh, holes that show that, you know, the high grade is actually probably higher grade than what was previously modeled, but also the near surface tons at Quinica are bigger than, than what we thought before. So if you, and our first press release, which came out uh, a week ago, Thursday, last Thursday, shows that we ended up with higher grade than in the block model and we and it shows that the the footprint of the um of the higher grade is actually bigger than what was previously modeled so we've achieved that we've gotten we've only put out 2000 meters of drilling from about a 12000 meter drill program and again most of that was focused on trying to identify and and improve this high grade core of Quinica if you jump over to the only other part of it from a drill point of view is the drilling at East Nip so at East Niv, you've got a project that was worked up to the drill stage. There's nothing more to do there other than come in and start putting holes into it. Um, we've drilled 10 holes into it right now, and we're waiting for assays. We don't have any yet. So that's the other bit of the, of the sizzle of the project. But the Quinica Stardust part stands alone with or without the, the East Niv. East Niv obviously adds value if we have a discovery there, but it doesn't affect the ability to move the other projects forward. 
Right. So why did you feel the need to kind of get something out in, in, in Q1 in terms of, you know, talking to the market? Why not sort of keep, keep drilling? Well, again, I'm just trying to get in the mindset of how you build a company. You know, Oxygen Group, as I said earlier, we, we quite like the way they, they, they approach things. You know, Marco yep. Days, you know, has got a plan usually. So why Q1? Why not wait and drill through next year and then, you know, come back with some meaningful news? Um, there are a couple of reasons. One is that from a from a disclosure point of view, it's actually quite hard to talk about a combined project without a document that stands behind it. And in the Canadian market, the, the, the regulars actually don't like that very much. So we really need to be able to talk about that in an integrated way. And that that is really at the core of what the whole company is about. So the inability to do that is, you know, is challenging. The other thing is that we actually think we've actually done our own internal look at this project. And we think that those internal, that, that that project will look very robust and will surprise people to a great degree to the upside when we get it out there. So we want to do that to actually build that extra credibility that you're talking about in terms of, you know, what does this thing actually look like? Is this production profile real? Can we really achieve that capital? You know, how do these things fit together or do they really fit together? Or, you know, was this just a, uh, a merger for its own sake? So we really want to address those and put any of those kind of questions behind us and, and move forward with what we think is, a, is an outstanding and, and unique project. And really, I'll, I'll just go on for one second here on just from talking to um, some of the investors I've spoken to before. But we'll, what we're really trying to show, we're trying to thread the needle a little bit between these smaller projects that, other, that people feel like they can develop themselves, but are kind of really too small to, to make much impact. And these bigger projects that are really exciting and have great production profiles, but only the big guys can develop them. You, 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 you're in a funny hinterland at the moment, though, because your, your stock has come off. Like, I mean, you're surprised how quickly it's come off and to what degree. So I, I was surprised in the early part of when we first uh, launched as a company. So that was in, uh, in early March. And, you know, we did a, we did a financing, which, um, you know, struggled a little bit, to be, to be honest, to get completed. It was, it was pretty chunky. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of top ticked it a little bit in terms of the, the market there. So, you know, the market was stronger when we launched the financing than it was when we closed it. Now, and, and, you know, that allowed us to be very well funded, which is which a great thing, but it definitely put some downward pressure on the share price. We also had some warrants from previous financings that came in and those also capped the share price to some degree. I would say so, but I was a little bit surprised at, at how much it came off between March and let's call it. April, late April, early May. From that point forward, you know, having, you know, and I spend a lot of time comparing us to our peers and so on, you know, I think we're more or less in line with the, with the copper developers, which is that they've struggled a bit as money's moved into the copper space, the, the pre-production companies haven't necessarily all re-rated, a handful have, but the bulk have, have not. And I think part of the reason for that is investors, and, and I would have been in this camp a few years ago, um, you know, have remained a little bit skeptical on how um, copper developers ultimately perform, because if you can't, if you just have to wait around for someone to buy you out, that's not a particularly great long-term uh, investment thesis. Yeah. And, and there is this perception, as you say, that unless this is a massive big copper porphyry or, or you know, VMS type structure, which is going to cost billions in terms of capex, it's unlikely really to be able to make it, certainly, you know, economic production anyway. So talk to us a little bit about some of the peers that you like to um, compare yourself with in terms of companies which have successfully economically produced copper and, I don't know, exited somehow, whether it be sale or otherwise. 
Yeah, they're 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 the the not the ones that have a few and far between, and and for exactly that reason. And and to me, the reason is you've got you know you've got more uh, sellers than than really buyers in those big projects. So you think about like Rio came into um, Casino, so that you know that was a you've got Newmont coming into GT Gold, which is more like what we have. Um, you've got, uh, you know, new gold when they develop new aft and like a lot of these things are, they're not a lot of examples of, of big companies coming in and buying these bigger projects. The, the, the deals are not very, are not very frequent. So because of that, you know, you, again, that comes back to us wanting to develop our own project is we don't want, we don't want to wait around for that. What I would add though, is that right now in BC and, you know, my background was working for Newmont, there is, there is an appetite from gold producers for these kinds of projects. You know, if you think about our project, it has scale that would appeal to a gold producer, even if it doesn't appeal to BHP because it's too small. So gold producers typically have smaller projects, smaller capital. This project has a lot of gold. It's about 34% gold by revenue. Um, and there's a lot of exploration upside. We've got a big property position there. It's a, not a bad place for a gold producer to get involved, get a toehold in British Columbia, build out a project that is going to look good on a gold cost equivalent basis and, you know, has the kind of scale and, and size and kind of dimensions that a gold company is used to. So, you know, there are other angles in terms of potential buyers, but, you know, I, I think if you think that a big copper producer is your only option, then I think, you you know, that, that's not a great uh, outcome. It, it's not. It's, well, it's not because you're not in control and what you want to show is that yep. you're in control. So let's talk exactly. about that. You've got a bit of money at the moment. How much have you got? Uh, we're probably having about 12 million bucks. Right. So what do you do with 12 million bucks pre some kind of piece of paper coming out to say to the market here, these two, some of the parts is, is awesome. Here's the best way we can spend that. I know a share price is depressed right now. Copper's up. There's a disconnect, but we are in control of what we're going to do and therefore possibly our destiny. So what, how do you play that? Well, I think we play it by continuing to to do what what we've been doing, and you know the the what we've also been doing, which is not in the share price or in the in our discussion thus far, is trying to reach out and connect with a broader range of institutions instead of um, only on retail uh, shareholders. And that's something you know, having been an institutional investor, I know that you know when we get when we got involved in in companies, we didn't just take one meeting and buy a bunch of shares. You know, we we would take two or three meetings. Um, we would do a bunch of work in the background, you know, and we would have some calls and follow ups and all that all that kind of thing. So it takes some time to change that momentum. And what I can say, you know, from the point of view of, of talking to institutional investors is the institutional investors, when I first met them in in May, which was really May and June was our first round of any kind of marketing like that. People said, well, it sounds interesting. We'll watch it. And, and now people say, okay, well, you know, we, uh, we want to schedule a follow-up call. So I've had, you know, a few follow-up calls now or more than, you know, a bunch of kind of building uh, momentum on follow-ups and people are actually doing the work. They want to know, you know, what's the range of grades? What are the range of throughputs? What are the, like all these detailed questions that people need to know when they're actually putting real money into these things. And that's, you know, the, the kind of background part of building the, the share price story. 
But that's, but that's the copper market, the copper price doing yeah. that work for you. They're getting you those phone calls. So but what are you doing in terms of giving the institutions the numbers which say, this is real, We th these this is genuinely high grade, uh, these guys can deliver a project which they can build. Is that, I mean, what, what are those steps? I get Q1 next year, first big step. With your 12 yep. million bucks between now and 12 months time, what else do you need yep. to deliver? Um, we need to continue to deliver drill results, which support the high, the high grade um, hypothesis, which, you know, we have ahead of us between now and the end of the year. We will also have an upgraded resource at Quinica, um, which will feed into that, um, into that combined project. I don't encounter a lot of skepticism on, um, you know, our project and our ability to move this project forward or the grade or anything like that. You know, people have questions. Usually the questions are more on, you know, why do I need to buy your shares today rather than why do I need to buy your shares? So I don't think that there's a lot of pushback on what our project is. It's just a, it's just a question of how people feel on a timing basis. What's the answer to that? Uh, the answer is now that that you know we're we're building momentum in the in the grade, and I think we'll continue to do that. You know those those results that we put out uh, a, a week and a half ago um, are really really material in terms of what this uh, ultimate project looks like. And as we move that forward, you know the gap. The, we can certainly we don't have any funding issues between now and when we put out that study. You know that that gap just keeps growing as we put out higher and higher grade stuff in our in our results drill results. Okay, so how much, just in terms of um, shareholding, how much does uh, Oxygen Group own? Um, the the total, including some kind of friends of the of the group, is about twenty percent of the shares. Okay, okay, meaningful. And how much cash have they actually put in? Uh, most of that is cash, but a lot of it is kind of remember people can well, do dollars versus percentage. How I don't right? have the, the the reason I don't have an answer for you is is because. The, some of that share ownership comes through the the previous companies, and and I joined basically as they merged, rather than so I don't have a history with the with all that. Okay, so, so it's, not, no, no, it's not a case of right. So not a case of like throwing out cheap stock to friends and family. It's it, people. No, they, this, this is not like a bunch of founders stock and and that kind of. Thing. This is like real buying. Okay, fantastic. Okay, so with regards to the um, the, the drilling, so how many more meters are we going to see between now and um, end of Q one? Uh, and in fact, how much, more importantly, how much of it, how much of that you think will get in the report? Um, so not all of it goes into uh, the, that report because not all of it's relevant for it. So we will probably put out another four, five thousand meters in that will go into that report. What's that in total? Um, uh, so that would be seven thousand meters, something like that. Our original plan was seven thousand meters, and then we've also done some step out drilling of testing some other regional targets along the way. Right, and, and then, then how much the historic remaining the balance of that? Yeah, is, is at each nip. Got it. Okay, but how much historic data are you adding? Seven thousand meters plus what? What? What, what do we know? Uh, the 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 previous drilling database is you know well in excess of that. They've they've been drilling Quinica since two thousand six, so it's it's a well drilled out deposit. But what we're really focused in on is the high grade part of it, not the entirety of it. So those guys were in the typical junior mentality, which is try and make your deposit as big as possible. What we're trying to do is make it as, as good as possible. In other words, make sure we understand the highest grade portion of it. And that's the part that really drives the project economics. Okay. And, and does, do you, does the management, do you genuinely want to actually get this thing to production or is it get in a position where someone else who can get it into production does that? I mean, that, what, what's, the, what's your actual business model here? 
Um, the business model is to, so my, my own belief from being on the investor side is that when you, want to, when you want to make money in a mining stock, you need multiple ways to have it happen. Okay, so it can be the drill bit, it can be a takeout, it can be um, put it into production. But what I don't want is only one way to win. And that's, that's really our, our business strategy is advance this project as far as we need to, or as far as we want to, to put it into production. If someone wants to come out and buy us and pay a big premium, that's, that's a fantastic outcome for everybody. But what we're not going to do is sit around and study this thing seven or eight times year after year and, and wait around for someone to buy us out and just you know pretend that we're actually advancing it. That, that we're not going to do. So we, we will genuinely push this thing forward. And one of the things, one of the reasons I want to join Oxygen is not only Mar is Mark you know, great at creating value for, for shareholders, he's done it by putting projects into production. He's put two, his last two companies, he's, he's moved those projects forward. He's actually done it. And he's not just talked about it. So, you know, I, I know that this is something we can actually do, and it's in the, in the scale of, of, uh, of the doable. What's a VP of sustainability do? So, so she, uh, she's actually been an incredible addition to our team, and, and I'm glad you asked that. She came from, so Vesta Philipchuk is our VP of sustainability. She came from, she has a background with tech. Um, and she has a background in BC and most of her background, it's partly in permitting, but, but the most important thing for us right now, it's in First Nations relations. So with indigenous groups who are in our, in our region and in general, in, in this part of the world, you know, you, you need to build those partnerships and, and agreements and so on with First Nations groups. If you don't do that, you will not get a permit in British Columbia. So she is a key member of our team and she's really upped our game in terms of engagement with First Nations groups, me meeting with um, local chiefs and really understanding what it is people want and really what, what people from the people that I speak to, what people want is they want us to move forward and they want development in their region. They want, they want a piece of it, which is, is fair enough. So no, I'm just, the only reason I'm asking is obviously I think a lot of people are kind of greenwashing a lot of mining, right? And ESG is the latest bandwagon that people need to get on and every company's got a different version or interpretation of what that means, right? You've gone for the word sustainability and I just wondered if there's some sort of nuanced difference that I'm not getting. I, I understand the First Nations uh, um, issue. I said, not an issue. It's not really. It's something that must be handled and, and done properly. There's a real reason for that. But why, why have yep. you not put VP ESG? Is it seems to be what everyone else is doing. Um, but I wouldn't say it's the decision that I spent the most time on in the time I've been at the, okay. at the company. Um, we, we wanted to recognize that, that she might wear a number of hats. And so we, uh, we chose that, that type. Okay. I just want to know if I'm at the beginning of a new wave of description. Yeah, no, no I mean, I, you know, I, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, I have worked all over the world and I, and I, you know, I've, I've certainly dealt with, um, these kinds of issues with communities for my entire career. And really you cannot, you know, you add as much value by building partnerships with the groups as you do potentially through the drill bit, because if you don't have those partnerships, you're never going to build your project and no one's ever going to buy you. So, you know, those, those are things you need to put a lot of effort into every single day. And, and that's why we hired a full-time person to do that, which is not that always something that a junior company would have on their, uh, on their executive staff. True. True. So how many dollars have you put in of your own money? Uh, I put in a few hundred thousand. A few hundred thousand. Okay. Does that mean that's meaningful for you, right? Yep. Okay. Cool. And um, well, I, I, 
Peter, I'm really happy with that as a kind of first run through the, the, the story. You've helped me understand the, the business plans and maybe strategy for delivering it. Um, you know, if you guys come back on, we maybe talk about some of the people and what they're specifically doing. Um, yep. Good luck with the uh, drilling and good luck with the reporting. Um, stay in touch and let us know how you get on, okay? You bet. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.